Well, all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for singing out this morning. It is truly one of the joys of my life to be able to lead uh, God's people in singing praises. I say quite often, but it's worth repeating. God loves to hear you sing. Uh, Not only were we created for worship, but we were created to praise. And the issue is not... Do you have a voice? The issue is, do you have a song? And the redeemed of the Lord have a song. So let the redeemed of the Lord say so this morning. Say amen. 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 God bless you. It's great to be in chapel. And this is an incredible week. Um, This is Holy Week. The week uh, preceding Easter Sunday is known as Holy or Passion Week. Holy Week has been described as the most significant week in the history of Christianity. For that matter, in the history of the world. And so before we look at Holy Week, this week and on this day, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, truly, if there ever was a time This is the week that we want to take time to be holy. We want to reflect upon the events in the life of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. A week that forever changed the world. Thank you that we can come once again through a study of your precious, divine, inspired, infallible, inerrant word to reflect once again upon what Jesus Christ did for us. And as a result of that, what we are called to do for him. So Father, as we look once again into this Passion Week, may the name of Jesus Christ be lifted up and exalted. May your spirit move among us today. And we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. These seven days have been described as the most intense and important week of history. Yet as we go about our busy, complex lives, it is easy to forget the significance of this week. You know, for many Christians, Holy Week becomes like driving through a one-stop-light town. (laughs) Blink, and you'll miss it. But we must not miss it. We need to literally walk with Jesus through the pages of God's word every year during this monumental week. Um, I recall my first trip to the Holy Land in 1997. We toured uh, with then Gardner-Webb president, Dr. Chris White. He described the Holy Land experience as something like a crescendo as the momentum would build each day moving toward the climactic visit to the garden tomb. I do recall, however, the significance of the visit to the house of Caiaphas and walking up those steps, the actual steps that Jesus himself would have walked upon nearly 2,000 years earlier. 
is one time in the Holy Land experience that you can truly walk where Jesus walked. And so it is for Holy Week and the Scriptures. Immerse yourself in daily readings and follow the dramatic events of Jesus our Lord day by day. Now many of the dramatic events that occurred during Christ's final days on earth are recorded in all four Gospels. For instance, you can read Matthew 21, or as we will today, a portion of Mark 11, Luke 19, John 12. When I taught New Testament years ago, some of you may find that shocking, but yes, it's true. I joined the faculty in 2006 teaching New Testament. I would remind my students of the significance of events recorded in all four of the Gospels. When the three synoptic Gospels are joined by the Gospel of John, take note. It's kind of like that old E.F. Hutton commercial. When E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. We always listen to the Word of God. But when you get the three synoptic Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke coming together with the reflections of John, you find a point to really take note of what the Word of God is saying. Now we often remember Holy Week in light of three monumental events. We call it the death, burial, and resurrection, the Gospel, Good Friday, the day of Jesus' crucifixion, Dark Saturday, the day of his burial and time in the tomb. And then the eighth day, or the first new day, Resurrection Sunday, the day that Jesus arose from the grave. And aren't you glad this morning? We serve a risen Savior who is alive and well in the world today. And we're usually reminded of two additional holy days. This past Sunday was Palm Sunday, which commemorates Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem as he heard the cries and shouts of Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. One writer pointed out that ironically this is the only day of triumph known by Christ in his earthly ministry. Now the Old Testament prophet Zechariah prophesied about this in his book, chapter 9, verse 9. But then there's Monday, Thursday, which recalls the last supper of Jesus and his disciples in which he presents bread as his broken body and wine as his shed blood. Jesus also used the Thursday gathering to provide an object lesson, washing the feet of the disciples teaching them basic qualities of discipleship, humility, purity, and servanthood. And let me just mention that if you are looking for somewhere to go this week on Thursday and something to do and experience, come join us at West Asheville Baptist Church. I get to experience for the first time a service that they do every year. It's called Shadow of the Cross. We will reenact the Last Supper we will have communion together. Pastor Stan will bring a devotion. We will sing and we will hear God's word read for us. It's a great service. We invite you to come. And that is at 6.30 on Thursday evening at West Asheville Baptist Church. 
but there's also Monday through Wednesday. With Wednesday being basically a day of silence in the gospel accounts and Tuesday consisting of Jesus' final teaching to his disciples. We know that, of course, as the Olivet Discourse. But since yesterday was Monday, let's focus for a minute on the events of what we call Holy Monday, which ironically is also known as Anger Monday. See, Jesus became displeased, perhaps even angry on two separate occasions as we find recorded in the Gospels. Now, Jesus and his disciples had traveled to, from the village of Bethany where he had stayed with friends the night before. Now, Bethany is about two miles from Jerusalem, or it's about the distance from our campus to the Dollar General on Chimney Rock Road. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus became displeased with a fig tree, which was not bearing fruit. While in Jerusalem, Jesus became angry at abuses he observed taking place in the temple, known as his father's house. And although, ironically, <clears throat> today is Teaching Tuesday, in which Jesus delivers his teaching on the Mount of Olives, we would have so much to cover in so little time. The Olivet Discourse is some of the most complex teaching of our Lord's earthly ministry. So as a prelude to the remainder of Holy Week and for now, let's focus upon the fig tree incident of Holy Monday. And I would invite you to turn to the Gospel of Mark. Many of you know my my love of this gospel. It is the gospel that I used as a focal gospel the years that I taught New Testament. So Mark chapter 11, and we're going to read three verses from somewhat the middle of this chapter, verses 12 through 14. You may have headings in your Bible. My heading simply reads, The Fig Tree Withered. So from the Gospel of Mark, Now the next day, when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry. He, of course, meaning Jesus. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, Let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word is our prayer. We notice three things. First, the fig tree was uniquely designed by God. Notice again, verse 13, and seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves. This was a fig tree from all appearances, very healthy and beautiful. Look at your neighbor and say, God made you special. Look at your neighbor and say again, there's no one exactly like you. Now look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad. <laughs> Just kidding. <clears throat> you see, each one of us is uniquely designed by God, and that's a good thing. From a campus perspective, we each bring something very unique to the table. 
We have administrators who have been placed by God to facilitate the work of our college. We have professors who have been placed by God to impart knowledge and wisdom. And we have students who have been placed by God to facilitate the work of our college, to inquire and absorb, to study and learn, and most of all, to grow spiritually and prepare for the work of the ministry. If you believe in the sovereignty of God as I do, then each of us is uniquely placed here for such a time as this. And it's a good feeling to know that you are exactly where you are supposed to be, becoming the person that God has uniquely designed us to be. The fig tree had a specific designation. It was uniquely designed by God. And now that leads us to a second point. Not only was the fig tree uniquely designed by God, but uniquely designed by God for a specific purpose. Look again at the remainder of verse 13. He went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. What in the world would Jesus find on a fig tree? Well, the fig tree was to bear fruit. And this is also a good thing. You see, God is pleased with us not only when we are where we are supposed to be, but God is pleased with us when we are doing what we are called to do. The fig tree was designed to produce fruit. We are designed to bring glory to God by accomplishing His will for our lives. On this holiest of weeks, it probably serves us well to be reminded once again of the Westminster Catechism. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. See, Jesus was hungry, and the tree had no fruit to offer him or satisfy his hunger. See, Jesus wants us all to be fruit bearers. We benefit others when we bear fruit. If we aren't bearing fruit, then people will, in essence, go hungry because we cannot provide them through the power of the Holy Spirit working in us and through us with what they need. So thirdly, and sadly, <laughs> the fig tree had not accomplished its purpose. Notice verse 14. When he came to see it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. Now we could give the fig tree a pass for a moment because in the Middle East, fig trees are only in season from August through early October. However, this particular fig tree was not bearing fruit and that's not a good thing. Jesus uses the example of the barren fig tree to give us an object lesson, much like the object lesson he would give a few days later in the upper room as he washed the feet of his disciples. 
we have an object lesson here, perhaps to show how displeased he is with us when we are not accomplishing our purpose. He wants us to get our act together. By looking ahead 2,000 years from the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem to a Holy Week sermon at Fruitland Baptist Bible College and making application for us, I would suggest this. I would suggest that Jesus is challenging us to fulfill God's purpose for our lives. And so what is the application for us today? We are uniquely created by God the Father and we are designed for a specific purpose. And our greatest accomplishment in life beyond accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior is to live empowered by the Holy Spirit and accomplish our purpose until the very end. For you see, the rest of Holy Week is about a unique person. Not created, but begotten. Who accomplished God's purpose for his life so that we may accomplish God's purpose for our lives. We are uniquely designed by God. We are uniquely designed by God for a specific purpose. And we are to please God, to honor Him by accomplishing the purpose He has for our lives. So as we go about this busy week, as we go about this holiest of all weeks, I pray that we will all take at least a few moments each day, maybe thinking of yesterday, anger Monday. Think about those things in our lives that causes Jesus to be displeased with us. Let's decide that we're going to change that on this holiest of weeks. Maybe today, Teaching Tuesday, the day of the Olivet Discourse, maybe say to ourselves, what is it that by reading and studying God's Word I can learn today? What can Jesus teach me today through the work of the Holy Spirit? How can I grow? How can I be that lifelong learner Studying God's Word. Tomorrow is what's known somewhat as Silent Wednesday. Yet we know that things were underway. Workings were taking place. Perhaps Judas setting things in motion for his betrayal for the next day. Ask yourself on Holy Wednesday, or Silent Wednesday. How have I betrayed my Lord today? What is something that I should have done that I did not do? And then when we come to Holy Thursday, Maundy Thursday, revisit those themes that Jesus shared with his disciples in the upper room. Humility. Purity. Servanthood. How can I be more humble? How can I be more pure? 
how can I be more of a servant? And all my Good Friday, the day that Jesus Christ went to the cross to be suspended between heaven and earth to give his life on the cross of Calvary. And I go back to Stan's message from Sunday. I encourage you to find West Asheville's website, our Facebook page, listen to his sermon from Sunday. Think about this. Jesus died in my place. Think about that on Friday. Dark Saturday, Jesus is in the tomb. Think about how hopeless the followers of Christ must have felt over 2,000 years ago. They thought it was over. And when you are in your darkest moments, when you're in your times of deepest despair, friends, you are not alone. You are not alone. Because on the next day, on Resurrection Sunday, up from the grave he arose. And when you think about that this Easter, <clears throat> let Resurrection Sunday mean more to you than it ever has before. On this holiest of weeks, I encourage you to walk with Jesus through the pages of God's word. And remember yet once again, why this week is called holy. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to reflect upon your word. Father, we are uniquely designed by you. And we have a specific purpose. But Father, help us for your glory and for your honor, for your praise, for your exaltation to accomplish the purpose that you have for our lives so that you will be pleased with us. Jesus will intercede for us and the Holy Spirit will move in and through us for your glory and your honor. Thank you for this holy week. And Father, through each day, may we be mindful of what your Son Jesus Christ did for us. May we never forget. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you and have a wonderful Holy Week.